Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. I'm your host, Phil Black. And if you have an 8th, 9th, or 10th grader with big aspirations, like the Ivy League or military service academies like West Point, ROTC, or athletic scholarships, boom, you've come to the right place. My specialty, my superpower, if you will, is preparing families for these competitive programs. I'll teach you what your child should do, when they should do it, and how you can help. So stick around and prepare to out-prepare. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the PrepWell podcast. Today, I want to discuss how to work with one of the best-kept secrets in the college admissions process, your guidance counselor. Guidance counselors don't often get the respect that they deserve especially given how instrumental they can be in the admissions process. They are a key advocate for you, and you want to make sure you're doing your best to cultivate that relationship. There seems to be a lot of attention given to the teachers who will write you your letters of recommendation, your English teacher, maybe a math teacher, a physics teacher, but not as much attention given to your guidance counselor, who many times, if you're lucky, you will have known for three years sometimes by the time you apply to college. That's a lot of time to get to know you and trust you and like you. And you don't want to let this opportunity go to waste or worse. So let's start off with a quick review of what makes the guidance counselor so important in the admissions process. Number one, right off the bat, your guidance counselor will also write you a letter of recommendation for college. Most students don't know this. They're so focused on the two academic teachers that they have to pick to write letters that they forget about their guidance counselor. And these days, with colleges desperate for ways to evaluate you, you really want to make sure that you're making every letter of recommendation count, even the one from your guidance counselor. Or should I say, especially the one from your guidance counselor. And this is not going to happen without effort, however, because many times, the guidance counselors have such large caseloads that they don't spend a lot of time customizing letters of recommendation for each and every student because they don't have the time. They often copy and paste a generic sounding narrative that states that you've met all of the requirements to graduate and blah, 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 blah. Nothing new, nothing different, nothing special. If they don't know you from a hole in the wall and you don't have any relationship with them, That's what they're going to do. They don't write much more than that because they don't know much more about you. Don't let this be you. Make sure your guidance counselor knows you well so that they feel confident in writing something a little extra in your letter of recommendation. This alone will help you stand out from the crowd. Number two, they know a lot of stuff, especially if they've been at your school for a while. They've seen a lot of students go through the admissions process. They've seen what's gone right and what's gone wrong, and they can share those experiences with you. Number three, they have credibility with colleges. Most guidance counselors have seen a lot of other students over the course of their careers, sometimes hundreds, sometimes thousands of other students, and they can compare you to those students. That helps the admissions officers quite a bit. Because the guidance counselor can speak to your strengths and abilities relative to others in your same high school and same situation. The guidance counselor can provide the admissions office 
with what we call context. That is, how have you done given the circumstances of your high school and your community and your neighborhood? If a guidance counselor claims that you're one of the most qualified students that they've seen in 25 or 30 years, that means a lot. That carries a lot of weight. That's the type of praise you're looking for from a third-party objective person, which would be your guidance counselor. Number four, relationships. Guidance counselors often have strong relationships with college admissions officers and the college representatives who may visit your school. They've built these relationships over time and hopefully earned the respect of the admissions officers. It's not unusual for admissions officers to call up your guidance counselor and ask them what they know about a particular student before they offer that student a spot. Obviously, if an admissions officer calls your guidance counselor to discuss you and your potential as a college student, you want that counselor to have great things to say about you. And lastly, number five, they can pull strings. Sometimes guidance counselors can make magic happen behind the scenes. They know how the systems work. They know the dynamics of the players at the school. They know the logistics of the systems that the school uses, be it PowerSchool or Naviance or Zello or some other platform. They have relationships with people. They've built up social capital. They can get stuff done, whether that means getting a transcript sent overnight or helping you get the teacher that you wanted or a class that you requested or they want to help smooth over some type of disciplinary issue, it's nice to have your guidance counselor on your side. And this is the reason I want you to start this relationship in ninth grade before you need any of this type of help. Because the last thing you want to do is to meet your guidance counselor for the first time with a problem that you need help with. That's not a great time to start the relationship. You want to build that relationship before you need any special attention or favors. Okay, so how can you build this type of relationship with your guidance counselor? Well, as I said, you want to introduce yourself as early as you can, as a freshman or a sophomore at the latest, before you need their help for anything. You want to check in with them periodically, stop into their office, chat with them in the lunchroom, Talk to them when you see them on the playing fields. Update them on what's happening with you. Be friendly. Be approachable. Get to know them. Show them that you value their opinion. Most counselors go into their career because they want to help people. So seek them out for advice and recommendations. Show them that you care about their opinion. And then, when you get to the middle of 11th grade, you make your move. What do I mean by that? Well, by the time you're a junior, your relationship with your guidance counselor should go from chit-chat and small talk to something more serious. By then, you should be mature enough to sit down with them in a one-on-one -on -one meeting and have a real conversation about your college plans and your ambitions, even if they're preliminary. I like students to schedule that meeting in the middle of 11th grade right? At least before winter break. This gives them a few months of the school year starting in 11th grade to see how they're doing academically, see how their extracurriculars are going, whether it's sports, theater, student government. They may have an, a PSAT score by then. They may have thought a little bit more about colleges. After all, 
if you're in the middle of your junior year, you will be applying to college in six or seven months. That's not very far off. In my experience, the best way to do this is to first create a brag sheet, or what I prefer to call a student summary sheet. And then second, set up a meeting with your guidance counselor to discuss your student summary sheet, which you will send over to them ahead of time so they have a couple days to review it before the meeting. And this meeting is meant to communicate to your counselor that you are taking this college admissions process seriously. You are bringing your A game. You're not letting any grass grow under your feet. That's not to say that you know everything or that you have all the answers, but that you're engaging in the process. You want to bring them in the loop. You want to get their advice and make sure you're moving in the right direction. This meeting should also put the guidance counselor on notice that you're not fooling around here. And without having to say so explicitly, your actions are communicating to them that they'll need to step up their game to match your intensity. Because you're not like every other student. You're different. And they will have to adjust accordingly. They will automatically step up their game to match yours. And that's where you want to be. This is a signaling move that shows that you care about the process, you're taking it seriously, and you want them along for the ride. This will get them invested in you and your plan and your future. You want them on your side. You want them cheering for you. So what does this student summary sheet look like? Obviously, every student is different. Every student is going to have slightly different things that they want to highlight or emphasize. But I think there are a few common elements that should be included in every student summary sheet. And by the way, this is exactly what I do with my private prep willers. I walk them through this outline and we customize exactly what they should use, what they should share in their student summary to best reflect their current thinking. The other thing that creating a student summary sheet does, above and beyond bringing the counselor in the loop, is that it forces you, the student, to start thinking through some of these things. And I will tell you right now that this is not going to be easy in most cases. It's not easy to stop what you're doing in the middle of 11th grade and start thinking about college and careers and life and what you might want to major in. This is not going to be easy, but it is necessary. Creating this student summary will also give you the opportunity to take stock of where you are right now before 11th grade completely gets away from you. How are you doing in your classes? What teachers will you be asking for letters of recommendation in a few months? How is the sports recruiting going? How are your extracurricular activities coming along? How did you do on the PSAT? Are you registered for the SAT or the ACT? All of those things that you should be thinking about, but probably aren't, will be captured in this student summary. There's nowhere to hide. In fact, creating the student summary is probably more important for you than it is for your guidance counselor. So what would I include on this summary? Obviously, you put your name and your graduation year at the top of the page. I then always recommend that you put a headshot of you so the guidance counselor can immediately associate the name with the face. Remember, sometimes these counselors 
have three, four, 500 students in their caseload. Maybe they're new to the school. So help them out. Help them connect who you are and your name. Then I would go into a quick paragraph on the purpose of your summary and how it will serve as the basis of your upcoming meeting. Ideally, your counselor will review this summary before you meet, come up with some questions or suggestions, and it will help you have a productive meeting. Now, after that simple intro paragraph, I would jump into academics. I would list in bullet form every class you took freshman, sophomore, and junior year. You know, so far, junior year, it's about halfway done. And the grades that you got in each semester or each grading period. Now, I'm aware that the counselor has access to your grades, but it's nice to have them all in one place instead of having to refer to your transcripts or go to some online platform. Make it easy for them. Transcripts are difficult to read in many cases. I'd much rather see the classes written in plain language, right along with the grades, so that everybody's on the same page. I would also note any AP final exam scores that you got in ninth or 10th grade if you took any AP classes. I would note my PSAT score, if you have one. I would note any official SAT or ACT scores, if you have one that you're happy with. I would also note the dates that I've registered for upcoming SAT and ACT test dates, and any other notable academic achievements or awards that you may have gotten up till that time. I would then move into extracurriculars, but I would not treat this like a resume where you're bulletizing every single thing you've done in every activity. I would not do that. It's too much. I would simply write what you've been up to in plain language so that the counselor understands what it means. Don't put in a long acronym of a club or an organization that the counselor will not recognize. Write it in a way that's easy for them to understand. And obviously, if they need to go into more detail, you can cover that during your meeting. I would then write a short paragraph, and by that I mean a few sentences, about your plan, your aspirations, what you're hoping to achieve over the next eight to 10 months. This can be one of the tougher assignments because most students haven't really been challenged to think about this yet. And that's the whole point. I want you to think about this now by the middle of junior year. Because by the middle of junior year, you will have had enough information about your grades and extracurriculars and test scores and other wildcard activities that should dictate what types of schools you should be considering. Now, this section could be as simple as, I aspire to attend an academically rigorous, private, liberal arts college on the East Coast where I intend to major in biology on my way to medical school. Done. This is just something to give them some context and a jumping off point for your conversation. And remember, you're not signing your life away here. This is just preliminary thoughts. Or it could be something like this. My goal is to be a recruited athlete in lacrosse, and I hope to attend a highly selective college with a lacrosse program that I probably wouldn't have gotten into without lacrosse. Right now, I'm talking to these three schools, A, B, C but I still have a long way to go before they will ever commit to me. Done. Something like that, couple sentences, that would give the guidance counselor a lot of information to work with. And oftentimes, especially students that I work with, the summary might get a bit more complicated 
you might write something like this. I'm aspiring to attend one of the service academies. West Point is my top choice. But I know that's a long shot. So I'm also applying for ROTC scholarships, which means I also have to apply to schools that have ROTC units on campus. If I get shut out of those military options, my plan is to go to a UC school, but I won't be picky about which one I go to. Once again, this type of description gives the guidance counselor a lot of information to work with. Most students will never get to this point in their analysis, and you're doing it by the middle of 11th grade. Your guidance counselor will be duly impressed and will work extra hard to help you realize your goal because they see that you're taking it seriously. Again, this part is probably not something that you're going to write in 10 minutes. You should take some time to think about where you're headed. You don't have to have all the answers, but it has to appear as if you've tried. Have your parent or somebody like me help you to articulate what you're thinking right now, even if it's not fully formed, and write it down in a few sentences and include it. I would also include a list of your target list of colleges. This does not have to be your final list, but your counselor will want to see where you think you might end up. Then they can opine on whether you're being realistic or not. Do you have a good variety of schools? How selective are the schools on your list? Are you missing any good schools that you hadn't thought of? Again, give the counselor something to work with so they can help you. Then I would move into a category that I would call priorities. What are you focusing on first, second, third? This gives the counselor an opportunity to redirect you if they think you're focusing on the wrong things. Make sure you have a good checklist of items and in priority order, and then that opens a discussion. And lastly, I would highlight some challenges that you think you'll be facing. Maybe you really need to improve your SAT score. How are you going to do that? Or you need to figure out who you're going to ask for a letter of recommendation. You're not really sure between two teachers. Or maybe you're worried about how you're going to afford college. Or you're nervous about having too many AP tests piled on top of each other in May. Or you don't feel like you're a great writer and you anticipate having a hard time writing your college essay. It doesn't really matter. This list is going to help your guidance counselor focus their efforts. Maybe they have some advice that will calm your nerves or resources. Maybe they have some strategies to overcome some of these things. Give the counselor a look at what you're nervous about and come up with a plan together. And when you're done with this 15-minute meeting or so, the guidance counselor will know more about you and your plan and your potential challenges than they will about any other single student in the school. I can almost guarantee that. Nobody else is preparing this well and this far in advance. And that's the way you want it. You want to stand out. You don't want to be one of the nameless, faceless sheep in the herd who's not paying attention to their future. You want to stand alone and differentiate yourself. And by the way, creating this student summary is not only good for you and for your guidance counselor, for all the reasons we've just talked about, but it will also serve as the basis for a similar document that you will send to the teachers who agreed to write you letters of recommendation. And you'll be doing that in a few months, typically in May or June. Now, of course, you'll add and subtract a few things. You'll update a few things. 
and otherwise it's practically ready to go. You'll be killing three birds with one stone. So please don't give up this golden opportunity to set yourself up for success in so many ways. If you need someone's help with this, feel free to schedule a consulting session with me where we can walk through this whole process and customize your student summary just for you so you can get the most bang for your buck. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the continued support. If you know a parent with an 8th grader, ninth grader, 10th grader, 11th grader, 12th grader in high school that might find this helpful, please share this episode with them. You can do that by finding that small box with the tiny arrow pointing up. That's the share button. Click that button. Text your friends the link to this episode with a little personal note from you recommending that they give it a listen. If you have questions, comments, or an idea for an upcoming episode, please reach out to me by email, DM me on Instagram, check out our blog, our Facebook page, connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. Until next week, goodbye, good luck, and never stop preparing. This podcast is brought to you by PrepWell Academy. PrepWell Academy is my one-of-a-kind online mentoring program that delivers to your ninth or 10th grader a short, highly relevant video from me every week, every Sunday, in fact, where I give them a heads up about what they should be thinking about to stay ahead of the game. To get these valuable lessons into your child's hands, please head over to PrepWellAcademy.com and enroll your child today.